You're listening to the Carnegie Tsinghua China in the World podcast, a series of conversation with Chinese and international experts on China's foreign policy, international role, and China's relations with the world. Brought to you from the Carnegie Tsinghua Center for Global Policy, located in Beijing. I'm Wang Tao, a resident scholar at the Carnegie Tsinghua Center, where I run a program on climate and energy issue. I'm standing in for Paul Henley, and today I will be speaking about recent shifts in Chinese and U.S. climate and energy policy, as well as expectations for the upcoming U.N. Climate Summit to be held in New York in September. To discuss these important issues, I'm thrilled to be joined by Dr. Zhou Ji, Deputy Director of China's National Center for Climate Change Strategy and International Corporations, and one of China's veteran climate change negotiators. Welcome to the China in the World podcast, Dr. Zhou. It's a pleasure to have you here today. June was an important month for energy and climate issues, both in the United States and China. I would first like to talk to you a bit about what these policy shifts mean, and then move into a broader discussion about the upcoming UN Climate Summit in September. On June 2nd, President Barack Obama announced that the U.S. would restrict emissions from existing power plants, the single largest source of carbon pollution in the United States. The Environmental Protection Agency, EPA, has since proposed a set of guidelines found in the Clean Power Plan, which will cut carbon emissions from the power plants by 30%, and would reduce the role of coal in generating electricity by 2030. Are these emissions cars significant enough to signal other developed and developing countries to make formidable industry policies to tackle climate change? And do you think a 30% cut in the carbon emissions from the power sector is feasible? Uh, well, uh, I should say uh, I welcome uh, President Obama's uh, announcement on that, and also welcome uh, EPA's uh, guideline uh, for the existing uh, power plant uh, power plant uh, to to reduce to control uh, carbon emission. Um, but I I would also like to say um, uh, this is something very quite natural in my mind. Uh, beco- uh, given the the, the energy uh, independence, the energy revolution in the United States in recent years, and also uh, I believe, uh, although uh, this this is absolutely a positive signal, but I do not believe thirty uh, percent cut is a, a significant signal to. Uh, to to other parties, uh, uh, I, I I think we we have higher expectations, but certainly, uh, 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 given the, the the power sector, uh, this is very uh, very good news. And uh, uh, given the shale gas, given the increase of the share of the uh, non coal fuel. Uh, I believe uh, I, I do expect the uh, U.S. can uh, can do more, uh, but certainly uh, power sector is not the only uh, the the only uh, field for U.S. to um, to set up more ambitious targets. Uh, but anyway, this is a very positive signal, and I, I I do believe that's very very feasible. Thank you. So you believe this is a Positive signal, and but you think the U.S. could has the capacity capacity to do more than that? Yes, that's right. Okay, 
Um, at the sixth round of the U.S.-China Strategic and Economic Dialogue in mid-June, a series of agreements were announced, including technology transfer between China's Huanan Group and Washington-based Summit Power Group to develop coal into a synthetic gas. The Summit Power also agreed to share information and technologies that uses captured carbon to force oil out of the hard-to-tap wells. Is this type of cooperation unprecedented between the two countries, and what might this mean for industries more broadly? Uh, I, I think they are uh, meaningful and uh, uh, very helpful uh, for enhancing the cooperation between the two nations. Uh, but uh, again, with higher expectation and more ambitious uh, expectations for the, uh, the two nations' uh, cooperation, I believe uh, they can do more. Uh, for example, uh, uh, in this stage, they they work more on uh, information exchange mm -hmm. or uh, capacity building or uh, per, uh, personnel exchange, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But certainly, uh, well, we say those are necessary and useful. So we should also look at uh, some uh, deeper corporations, for example, some joint R&D actions or plan or schemes or uh, joint investment. Uh, and uh, in that way, uh, we, can, uh, we can expect uh, some new commercial model for technology corporations. Uh, and also, uh, the two nations, I, I think they are very, very complementary in R&D, uh, in uh, um, such kind of technologies, among others. And this technology is specifically about the coal to gas. And do you also expect that other sectors, for example? Uh, for example, uh, information uh, technologies, uh, I mean, in the view to install to uh, smart grid, uh, and also vehicle car, uh, as well as some other efficiency. So emission standard of the vehicles? Um, yeah, including uh, standard or code development for efficiency improvement. Thank you. Though China is exempted from the emission caps under the Kyoto Protocol, Xie Zhenghua, Vice Director of China's National Development and Reform Commission, has expressed his hope that China would announce an ambitious overall cap on emissions within the first or the second quarter of the next year. How important do you think this is to propel the international negotiations on climate change? And is this hope likely to be realized and how it will be implemented in China? So here I, I would like to, uh, to, to, to cite the, the wording from the negotiation process. So we, we use the wording uh, uh, intending the nationally determined contribution. So uh, here I, I do not believe uh, uh, we are in the uh, in, uh, we uh, uh, we are in the time to to say uh, overall cap, ambitious overall cap something uh, because the uh, I mean there are a lot of indicators or uh, a spectrum of indicators or firms uh, uh, to define a nationally determined contribution so we are uh, still in the stage. Uh, to do studies, uh, uh, to provide for proposals to Chinese government, uh, how, in which form, and to which degree, we make the nationally determined contribution uh, and 
uh, part of the, uh, the engagement in the negotiation process. Uh, but anyway, as Mr. C said, uh, we, we do plan to come up with a proposal to describe our uh, intended nationally determined contributions uh, in the first half of next year. Uh, uh, I, uh, I, I think it, it, it's very, uh, very likely to, to, uh, to realize uh, uh, Mr. C's hope, uh, although it's very challenging. Mm -hmm. uh, as, as you know, we need to do a lot of work, including, for example, scenario studies uh, or uh, some quantitative analysis given a uh, lack of uh, data, reliable data, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And besides, uh, I would like to, uh, to, uh, to invite the audience to, to, be, uh, awareness, uh, to, to be aware of the fact, uh, I mean, uh, within China, uh, we have a very diversified uh, judgment and uh, 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 opinion on uh, in which form, to which degrees China can make the, the nationally determined contribution. And besides, uh, because this is a collective action all over the world as a matter of the multilateral process, um, uh, I would say uh, some interaction between uh, parties, especially between developed and developing countries, uh, can also play some role to determine nationally determined contributions within uh, UN conventions uh, context. So that means if uh, we can, uh, if we are sure uh, some uh, tangible and significant uh, support in technologies and finance from developed countries uh, will be available. Uh, we can make more ambitious targets uh, for, for, for contribution to, to uh, mitigation and adaptation. Thank you. So are you implying that there may not be an overall cap, but there will be uh, intended national determined contributions um, as a target to be announced by China by the first half of next year? And, and this, to your um, understanding, will be an ambitious target. Oh, uh, uh, for the moment, uh, I do not mean that. Uh, I, I mean, everything's uh, uh, possible. Mm. Uh, I just mean, for the moment, uh, we have uh, a spectrum of options there, including uh, overall cap, including intensity as a relative indicators. And uh, so we have different options there. So now, uh, what we have to do is uh, to compare advantage and disadvantage in terms of feasibility, in terms of cost benefit, uh, in terms of, uh, uh, I, I mean, uh, how to maximize the co-benefit, uh, what the, the, uh, the most effective options uh, for China and also for, for the whole world. So we are still in the, uh, in the stage for, for studies on that, but certainly, uh, overall cap is one of our uh, one of our options. It, uh, it is on, and our consideration. Thank you. Despite these recent successes, 
progress in global climate negotiations has reached a stalemate over the past few years due to a deep split between the developed and developing countries in assuming responsibilities for emission. However, this might be changing. German Chancellor Angela Merkel's promised 750 million euros, which is about one, 1 billion US dollars, to the United Nations Green Climate Fund, designed to channel climate aid from industrialized countries to the developing nations. What kind of pressure does this pledge place on other developed countries? And how might this pledge influence developing countries to cooperate with industrialized nations on climate change policies? And do you expect the United States and China to join Germany in pledging aid to the UN Green Climate Fund? Uh, first of all, I would like to say, I uh, again, I welcome the Chancellor uh, Merkel's announcement on the the, uh, on the provision of the uh, financial contribution to uh, GCF, I mean Green Climate Fund. Uh, so the, uh, this is a very good news, a good message. And, uh, but I handed to you the wording uh, pressure on other developed countries. Uh, so I would say uh, this should encourage uh, other developed countries to take action as early as possible and as more as possible but certainly compared to the pledge made in Copenhagen and uh, Cancun, uh, one billion is still very small piece. But certainly, uh, 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 with the Chinese saying goes, uh, so a, a long march should start from the first step. Yeah. So I regard that as the first step. But certainly I also see uh, there will be a long way to go for developed countries to implement their commitment or pledge uh, in Copenhagen. So uh, as you may remember clearly, uh, the pledge is by 2020, there should, there, there should be 100 billion mm -hmm. uh, to be raised to support developed, developing countries' actions for mitigation and adaptation. Um, and uh, so uh, anyway, I, I do expect and encourage other uh, developed countries uh, to to follow uh, uh, German, Germany's uh, initiative and uh, to design a very clear roadmap towards 2020 and uh, to see how to implement, uh, how to reach mm -hmm. the, the pledge, the targets for uh, fi financial support by 2020. I mean, 100 billion. 100 billion. Um, okay. But uh, for um, the, the question you read here, say, uh, do we expect uh, yeah. the United States and the China to join uh, Germany in pledging aid to the UNGCF? Uh, I should say this is not the right way to read the question, in my mind. Um, uh, before I, uh, I come back to this question, I would say um, reading the, the UNFCCC contact, uh, um, I mean, uh, uh, financial contribution is only uh, uh, the commitment uh, by developed countries according to the UNFCCC. Mm. Uh, so that means in this very specific context, uh, um, the, the, the pledge on finance is only uh, the burden is for developed countries. So it's not uh, appropriate uh, to put the United States and the China together uh, <laughs> here in this very specific 
uh, very important context. But, um, uh, uh, but I do expect the United States to join uh, Germany uh, in pledging aid to UN uh, GCF. But certainly, uh, very, uh, to be honest, uh, I, I think China is also under the consideration uh, to take some appropriate uh, manners uh, to, uh, to make some contribution, but uh, this is something else. This is something else. Uh, uh, not necessarily within this context, not necessarily uh, for GCF. Uh, I, I think the, um, uh, the negotiation is ongoing uh, for the, the contribution to GCF. But uh, I would say uh, it would be nice to see developed country to take uh, take lead and take earlier uh, action or steps uh, to to uh, 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 operationalize GCF. For the moment, uh, the mechanism is there, uh, the body is there, but uh, uh, the sub substantial progress should be the financial flow into mm. uh, the GCF and uh, and flow out to develop developing countries as, as early as possible. So having said that, uh, China uh, had made some contributions in other contexts like South-South uh, cooperation. So not in the GCF. Not, not in the GCF. Um, uh, but uh, that also depends on the progress made by developed countries as a first step as a leading role uh, to make GCF uh, uh, available, uh, I mean to make finance available from GCF. Uh, and then we can see uh, what types of co cooperation between developed and developing countries uh, to make GCF uh, more effective and more efficient. Uh, I think that there should be some potential um, but uh, for the first step, we, we sh I mean, I mean uh, as a precondition, mm. without uh, earlier and the leading roles uh, for developed countries, it's too early to, to discuss uh, China's role there. A anyway, uh, within UNFCCC, China is in the position to get financial aid for, uh, for uh, mitigation of and adaptation to climate change. Ahead of the UN Climate Conference later in Lima, Peru, the UN General Secretary Ban Ki-moon is going to host a UN Climate Summit this September with participations of many heads of state. Do you think this major event could influence and leverage a meaningful global agreement to combat climate change? Um, but certainly, I, I, I hope and uh, also I expect uh, this uh, climate summit can be helpful to the ongoing negotiation process, I mean for Durban platform negotiation. I, as you know, as a matter of schedule, uh, this summit will take place in the upcoming September mm. and uh, around one, more than one year earlier than our schedule. Uh, I mean, uh, the Paris COP uh, at the end of next year. Uh, I, I hope this summit, I mean, in this moment, uh, this summit can uh, deliver some uh, positive messages, uh, can deliver uh, um, uh, some political 
political uh, willingness uh, to, to push and to support the negotiation towards a more ambitious um, target and action uh, to enhance the implementation of UNFCCC. What are the expectations for a new climate deal to emerge from the climate conference in Paris by end of 2015? Are you optimistic that agreement will be reached then? Oh, I should say, um, uh, the expectation, so I, my expectation is uh, the action will be enhanced to implement UNFCCC by the new deals, new climate deals. Uh, so I further uh, expect uh, the new climate deal will address not only mitigation but also uh, adaptation, the technology, finance and the transparency as we agreed in Durban in uh, 2010. And uh, also uh, the nicely determined contribution uh, should reflect the principles and the provisions uh, of the, the UNHCRC. Um, that means uh, to uh, continue to correct, uh, correctly define uh, the roles, the, the commitment and the uh, actions uh, by, uh, by uh, either developed and developing countries to recognize uh, a different uh, stage of development for the two groups uh, of developing, uh, uh, of developed and developing countries, and uh, also to pay adequate uh, attention to, uh, uh, to uh, the circumstances of uh, developing countries. In developing countries, uh, that, that means uh, development or sustainable development uh, will continue to be the prioritized strategic and the policy goals for them. Um, uh, and uh, I would also, uh, I would also uh, expect developed countries to continue to take lead. Uh, I mean, to set up uh, and uh, implement an economy-wide absolute uh, emission reduction targets uh, in that way to demonstrate uh, the possibility, the feasibility, and the trend of the whole world economy and the energy uh, uh, use, uh, uh, I mean, towards low carbon trends. And in that way, uh, developing countries uh, can be encouraged uh, by this kind of uh, uh, leading roles from developed countries and also by their financial and the technological aid uh, uh, and uh, in, in the view to, to shift uh, their uh, development path from conventional uh, development pathway to uh, low carbon pathways. I think the, this is the interactive process uh, from developed and uh, 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 to developing countries. Uh, but certainly, uh, when we emphasize the importance of CBDR, I mean, common but differentiated responsibilities, uh, on one hand, 
we continue to emphasize the leading roles from developed developed countries. But, but meanwhile, on the other hand, uh, this doesn't necessarily mean uh, there will be uh, inaction from developing countries. Uh, in contrast, uh, there should be some enhanced actions uh, from developing countries to translate uh, into low carbon pathways. That means to achieve their uh, developed goals with lower uh, emissions and uh, with uh, stronger capacity to adapt to uh, climate change. But certainly here, the key is uh, internationally, uh, 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 I mean international cooperation in technology and finance, especially in terms of the, uh, uh, the uh, assistance uh, from developed to developing countries. Uh, will be very, very important, and especially in the context of globalization, because um, uh, uh, through uh, FDI uh, and also international trade, uh, and uh, with very uh, uh, favored positions in the global supply chain, uh, developed country continue to dominate the world economy and uh, to uh, to have very strong influence not only within developed countries but also uh, in developing countries. So that means um, uh, without uh, these kind of uh, 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 leading roles, uh, uh, they uh, it will be less uh, optimistic for the whole world to translate to low carbon uh, pathways. So uh, I do have uh, a lot of uh, uh, expectation for the uh, for the Durban platform process, but uh, uh, to answer your final questions, actually I'm uh, uh, cautiously optimistic. Uh, I mean for for that agreement because I continue to see a lot of obstacles, deadlocks there in in the process of negotiations and. Uh, to be very frankly, uh, I, I do not believe developed countries for the moment uh, have uh, reflected uh, adequate and uh, encouraging uh, 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 willingness or attitude uh, in making uh, more ambitious commitment. So I do encourage them uh, to, to be more ambitious and then in that way uh, we can expect a very strong interactive process and uh, to reach uh, the agreement in Paris next year. Thank you very much for your frankness. I think this is um, the second time we reach this and gain up all the momentum and try to reach deadlines to reach a climate deal. So I think as you described this is very challenging and difficult but I think this is also probably the last chance for us to take in, uh, to take um, to to reach an international deal on climate change I think on that regard both the developed country and developed countries will have to work very closely together to reach that goal I thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me today dr. Joe it has been a pleasure that's it for this edition of the Carnegie Tsinghua China in the World podcast. I encourage you to explore our website and 
www.carnegiechinghua.org and see the works of all our scholars and the Carnegie Chinghua Center. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.